Okay, so uh, we have a surprising situation that we have no questions other than I had a backup question of my own. So we'll start with that and hopefully people uh, get uh, come up with some other questions in the meantime. So let me get it here. So this, uh, you mentioned that you've mentioned this several times in the past, uh, but just a few weeks ago, you said it again that basically that only bhakti requires shraddha alone, whereas gyan and yoga, they like require more than that. There's these preliminary things that you need for yoga and gyan. But I was thinking about it, like, isn't it also that like, you think about ashtanga yoga, for example. So like yama and niyama, that's part of the ashtanga yoga process. So couldn't you say that like you are doing yoga already when you're doing the preliminary things, just like in bhakti, like you're not doing Shruta Bhakti, but you're doing these kind of like uh, bhakti-like activities that purify your heart. And then you become like uh, eventually like a Shruta Bhakti. So what is the actual difference between bhakti and jnana and yoga in that way? Well, um, If I understand your question correctly, I think um, that um, there is a difference between having faith, for example, in the efficacy of bhakti and as a result of that, taking up the chanting of the holy name and having faith in yoga, for example, Astanga yoga, but in order to practice it, uh, having to embrace uh, brahmacharya. So there are Yamas and niyamas, do's and don'ts, a moral kind of uh, basis out of which the um, successive uh, stages of astanga, eightfold yoga, mystic yoga evolve, yama, niyama. But I think that you have to embrace those, classically speaking, in order to move on to asana. Mm-hmm. Uh, pranayam, uh, pratyahara, dharana, dhyan, and enter samadhi. Uh, whereas in bhakti, there are, um, angas of bhakti, limbs of bhakti, but one's, uh, practice of bhakti does not depend upon embracing all of the angas of bhakti. Um, one could embrace just, for example, the anga of kirtan and um, just for for faith. And obviously there's other things that you can do and whatnot um, um, as well that uh, you know, prior to taking a bhakti, make, make, make you more disposed towards bhakti, or if you were a jnani previously, your heart may be already cleansed, and then you develop faith in bhakti. Um, but I'm not sure that's part of your question, but 
I think there's a, there's a difference. You don't have to embrace all the angas of bhakti. There are many. They pertain to the body, the mind, the words. You could embrace just one. Um, and the one that's emphasized, of course, primarily and our time is 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 is, is nam kirtan. So just for the price of faith, you take up in in the, if you have faith in the efficacy of the name, you take up the chanting, and it qualifies you uh, in every other way. Mm-hmm. So that's different than having to embrace these yamas and niyamas. And I'm, I'm sure how it works exactly with gyan, but I think the point also, both with regard to gyan and yoga, is that they are contemplative paths. So they begin as contemplative paths. So you have to be a contemplative to take them up. Obviously, there may be degrees of of what it means to be a contemplative, but um, the yoga path is about sitting and meditating. And it's clear from the Bhagavad Gita, for example, which is a classic text, um, certainly worthy of referring to, that prior to Gyan and prior to the Dhyan or the meditation of Astanga Yoga, there are other practices that are required in order that your heart become purified enough that you can sit down and you can be a contemplative. Therefore, Krishna emphasizes following the Dharma, uh, you know, on the Karma Marg, or really what he emphasizes there in the Gita to Arjuna is to go to the next step to Nishkam Karma. You have this momentum in which you're moving in the world since time immemorial and in your human life <clears throat> according to karma. So do nishkam karma. Follow the injunctions of the scriptures that are religious, that pertain to your uh, nature and so forth, but uh, do them without attachment to the results, which is what everybody does them for, for the, the, for the results, do them without attachment to the results, but just because they should be done. This is called Nishkam Karma, right? And this gradually purifies one to sit and be a contemplative. Krishna very much argues against entering into contemplative life without first undergoing this kind of prerequisite. Hmm? Um, otherwise it becomes, uh, he says, it becomes a sham. Hmm? Because if the heart isn't purified sufficiently, one can't sit and one's mind will actually be somewhere else. And and um, and and that will be a, a kind of a, uh, a cheating, if you will. So there's they are contemplative paths. Now bhakti is ultimately a contemplative path, also, but it has an active as well as a contemplative side. It has its active side, and it has its emotive side. That's another way to put it. When you enter into bhava bhakti then the emotive side of bhakti kicks in. Prior to that, the active side of bhakti is there. Um, From active engagement in things like kirtan, like serving the deity, for example, which requires, um, uh, which engages all of the senses, growing things, food for the deity, preparing it, weeding the garden, cooking it, offering it, so on and so forth. From this step of active arjan, one is purified 
similarly from active, uh, if you will, an external kirtan, one is purified and one can enter into contemplative life. But the point being, both sides are there in bhakti. They're not there in jnana and yoga, which are exclusively contemplative paths. So there's some pre-qualification for uh, contemplative life, and we acknowledge that within bhakti. But bhakti allows one to participate prior to being really qualified in all respects for contemplative life. And what is the qualification? So be the faith of, uh, in the efficacy, for example, of, of Nam. Does that answer your question? Yeah, partially, but I'm still thinking like, isn't it then the case that there's basically like an unripe stage of bhakti that is not actually bhakti proper in a lot of ways. And then there's the ripe stage, which is actually contemplative uh, kind of like orientation. <laughs> So I'm thinking like the same way, like a yogi could practice becoming a contemplative. That's like the preliminary unripe stage of yoga. So I guess I can't see like, why is it different with bhakti? Because we're not like real devotees in the stage when the bhakti is unripe, right? Or, yeah, anyway, that, I guess that's my doubt. Well, according to the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, there are three uh, stages of bhakti. All are considered bhakti. And all are considered bhaktas who participate in them, sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, and prem bhakti. So I don't think you have that type of distinction within jnana and within yoga. And um, again, I refer you to the Gita or to go to the Yoga Sutra. You know, what is, what is the qualification for taking up uh, yoga? It's, it's not just faith. Um, and taking up gyan, which requires a purified heart, to a certain, at least to a certain point, um, you know, what you're saying is, well, couldn't we try? You know, what's going to purify the heart? Is, is the is the trying in the practice of gyan and yoga, whatever that would be, have the efficacy to purify the heart, as does, for example, nishkam karma, or as does bhakti. Which is, again, to make another point, nirguna rather than something that's governed by sattva guna, as the case is with uh, with gyan and uh, and yoga. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I I'll think about it a little more. I'll get back to it at some point. So sure. we do have another question from Shraddha from canada she says here okay i have been increasingly inspired by the worship of lord nityananda prabhu this started when i had a darshan of lord nitai's shoes in 2015 when they were brought from a temple in mayapur on a tour my heart tells me to build on these feelings by adding a song to my sadhana it touched me to hear that chila bhakti rakshak shidhar maharaj would sing to himself the song Dial Nitai Re like a mantra. I heard that worshipping an exalted personality such as Lord Nityananda and adorning the tattva manifest and and adoring the tattva manifested through that personality are one and the same. Am I on the right path by adding the song Nitai Pada Kamala and is it proper to share these feelings of the heart to everyone? I feel that to not do anything would be a waste of heart, waste of a heart 
so to speak. Well, you're doing the right thing. That's uh, very beautiful. And I would uh, refer you to, uh, with regard to the kind of the last part of your question, the fifth chapter of Chaitanya Charitamrita in the Adi Leela. Towards the end of that chapter, that chapter is about Nityananda Prabhu, the ontological position of Nityananda Prabhu, explained by Krishna Skaviraj Goswami. At the, toward the very end of the chapter, he segues into a personal experience and the text turns confessional where, um, Krishna Skaviraj Goswami says, there's something that I shouldn't talk about, but if I don't talk about it, then people won't really understand or appreciate the glory of Nityananda Prabhu. So therefore, I'm going to talk about it. Because typically, internal experiences are something that we keep to ourselves. We discuss them with our guru and so forth. So that um, um, uh, well, you, you, you don't want to use a biblical term, uh, phrase. You don't want to throw pearls before a swine. People who can't appreciate, you, you don't want to tell them such things. And you don't want to speak about your internal experiences in a way that might cause pride to come within you either. So it's recommended that those things be kept uh, internal. They can be discussed with perhaps with contemporaries or certainly with with, uh, with, your, with your guru. But here he says, um, if I don't tell this, then the world won't know his glory. And he begins to tell a story of how Nityanarapu came into his life personally in a dream and sent him to Vrindavan. And, um, and this as a result of him leaving home because he found that in his home, uh, the home of his brother where he was living, Nityananda Prabhu was not understood and, and not respected, whereas Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was. And he considered that if you don't, if you accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but you don't accept Nityananda Prabhu, it's like... Um, what's called the half hen logic. The man had a chicken and he thought that by, by selling the eggs of this chicken, I'm making a good profit. So from one hole in the chicken comes egg, but there's another hole that I have to put money into in the form of the mouth. So one hole is costing me money and one hole is making me money. I'll cut the head off of the chicken and then I'll save, I won't have to spend any money. So then you have nothing. So he compared the um, uh, glorification of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that, that at the same time um, constituted a, a disrespect for Nityananda Prabhu to be uh, uh, like that, half-end logic. So he got nothing. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu repeatedly went out of his way to emphasize to his, his disciples the importance of Nityananda Prabhu find this in the Bhagavatam also when the when the Pagandalila of Krishna begins in the 15th chapter of the 10th canto, which is a time, the boyhood of Krishna, which Balaram becomes prominent. Um, that section begins with a eulogy on the part of Krishna, um, a eulogy of, of, of Balaram, glorifying Balaram. So he wants to make clear what is the position of Balaram, Nityananda and Balaram, of course, being, 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 uh, the same person uh, appearing for different uh, different leelas. So, um, so 
So it's very, very nice idea. Very, very nice that uh, such um, uh, feelings, thoughts come to you and they should be nourished and cultured. There are the songs also. There are a number of nice songs by Bhakti Vinod about uh, Nityananda Prabhu. Um, you've chosen a song of Narutam Thakur, Nitai Padakama, Koti Chanto Shushita. That's a very famous one. There's, there, are, there are many, many of them. So you can incorporate any 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 number of them. Save and accept. There are there are is a sector of um, devotees who have um, compiled, composed some poetry that speaks about Nityanandapu in ways that um, depart from how the Goswamis have uh, and Krishnas Kabiraj. Vrindavan Das Thakur have explained the ontological position of Nityananda Prabhu. He is in Sakya Rasa and he's not in Madhurya Rasa. So some have tried to uh, construe him in that way that that kind of poetry should be avoided. But you won't find that in the writings of Narutam Thakur or Bhakti Vinod Thakur whose uh, songs are are most uh, prominently embraced in our um, Lineage, and of course, um, it's worth noting. Although it's 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 uh, something that's been said many times. Bhujapad um, Sri gave a very beautiful analysis of how Prabhupada was uh, his campaign was analogous to that of Nityananda Prabhu, and indicated that that he had been empowered particularly by Vanitai Chand for his his uh, his work. So we're, um, yes, we're very, in, uh, put our head at the feet of the Tinanathabu, and we know we'll have a place in Krishna Leela without a doubt. And we'll also um, have a place at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So I encourage you to continue that. Um, very, very, very nice to hear that. I'm very pleased. Nitai Chand Kijai. Thank you. Thank you, Jai. So, uh, Nitai Chaitanya Bole, Natsreya Marmon, Harijan had a follow up question on this one. Uh, Dandas Guru Maharaj. Haribo. Hare Krishna. Uh, so uh, I have a question. Uh, I can't hear you. Um, uh, I'm not audible now. Or... Guru Maharaj, did you do the English and mute original? Maybe I did. I did not. that, yes. Let me look again. Uh, maybe, maybe now. Now I can hear you. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so, so I have a question. Uh, regarding uh, Balaram Tattva, like, mm, yes. like in Brahma Vimohan Lila, there is mention there are those swam, uh, Swamsa expansions, and it says that Krishna uh, refers, uh, like, uh, he prefers relationship with this original boys than than with his expansion. So uh, my question is like, what's the difference between 
like Balaram and these swamps expansions, like, uh, like oh, we cannot say that uh, he don't prefer a relationship with Balaram. Or so, what's the difference there? Excuse me. Yeah, um, yeah. It's thought that uh, Krishna manifested himself as all of the cowherd boys and calves in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, but because they are the object of love himself, rather than devotees if you will, which are the, the, the shelter of that love. Um, it inhibited his capacity to taste rasa because he was interacting with himself. So your question is, well, isn't Balaram himself also? And there's no difficulty there. Well, Balaram's a special um, um, expansion, if you will, of Krishna for a specific purpose and pastimes. And he is interesting theologically speaking in that while he is the object of love which is the point you're making which should um, be a problem for Krishna to interact with him and taste rasa because Krishna is the object of love and he's the object of love whereas for there to be rasa you need the object of love and you need the, the shelter or the personification of that love right this is your point but Balaram's uh, specialty, theologically speaking, is that he's he is both um, Bhagwan, but in the mood of a servitor of Bhagwan, he's emotional. What makes him a Vaibhava Prakash, which means he's different in, in emotional um, content from Krishna, is that he um, has the emotions of of a devotee primarily. So we look at him in that light. That's why sometimes in some sampradayas they think he's a, he's a devotee. He's not he's not Bhagwan. Because that aspect of him, his emotional content and of being, is um what uh what 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 shines out. Mm-hmm. There are instances in the Leela, for example, midday when Krishna goes to Radhakun with some of his intimate friends and the other friends stay with Balaram where he takes more um, overtly the role of being the object of love but primarily in all the leelas in Vrindavan with Krishna he is in um, um, the emotion of a devotee he's said to be the very root of the emotion of devotion in the, the, of the abhiman or the ego of a devotee in all all devotees. So, um, while he is Bhagwan and the object of love, he is also an example of that love, and that feature is prominent in him. So that's especially that's his emotional content. Now you could you could ask, well, couldn't Krishna manifest all the coward boys and keep them in that, you know? Um, um, Emotion and so forth. Well, there would be a problem with that. Hmm? If they were to, if they would, if he were to manifest himself as all the coward boys and those coward boys were to have the emotions 
of devotees in such a way that it would facilitate Krishna's interaction with them and as such there wouldn't be any difference between that interaction with them and the original boys themselves. What would be the problem with that? The problem with that is that there's that um, is that if they were not prominently in the it, the problem with that is that that for Madhu, for for Vatsalya Rasa hmm, this this Brahma Vimohan Leela is for Sachi Sakya Rasa and and Vatsalya Rasa for for Vatsalya Rasa the devotees in Vatsalya Rasa have the opportunity to interact with Krishna personally or the cows with the calves personally with their sons and their calves being the perfect object of love. So that's preserved in that sense that they might have that full experience. And in the Prakat Leela, when devotees enter into the Prakat Leela through Vatsalya Rasa, then it, it's, it's during the Brahma Vimohan Leela that they are able to reach the full pinnacle of, of, of Vatsalya Rasa and fully qualify themselves to go to the Aprakat Leela in association with other devotees in Vatsalya Rasa and having Krishna as their son. Hmm? Um, so they're having, they have, they're having a direct experience that Krishna is their son and therefore their bhakti is for their sons is increasing and increasing. Of course, they love Krishna still even more at the same time because he, he has more beauty than all of the boys at the same time. So it's preserved. His, his, his position as the personality of God it is preserved to some extent, which isn't the case with, 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 uh, with Balaram. In fact, the opposite is the case. The emphasis there is on his emotion as, as a devotee and his example as um, Saka, as a friend of Krishna. Does that help? So yeah, the arguments made. They're all swamsa. They're not. They're not the binamsa, or they're all the uh, the uh, um, um, vishaya rather than the ashraya. So it's a problem. How much of it's a pro- how much it's a problem? Well, you know, that's a theological. Nuance, um, um, but yeah, the, the, the comments do come along those those lines. That hmm? in some ways it constitutes a shortcoming for Krishna in, in comparison to the original boys. Does that help? Yes, thank you, Guru Maharaj. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question is from Amrit Gopal from Brighton. Yes. Hare Krishna devotees, Hare Krishna Maharaj. I can't, I can't hear you. Ah, can you hear me now? No, we're not. No. Can you hear me now? Yes. Krishna. Maharaj, uh, a pastime from the Madhulila, Goranga Mahaprabhu manifests some anger when a Bengali Brahmin drinks his, um, the water that has washed his lotus feet during the cleansing of the Gandicha Mandir. Why does Mahaprabhu manifest anger? And then why is that anger apparent? 
Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu manifests anger or he shows that he some um that he's um upset, let's say, with the devotee um who worships him and um and drinks uh, the water from uh, that has, has bathed his feet uh, because um he is setting an example as a devotee and the last thing that the devotee wants is to be served he or she wants to serve mm-hmm. and wants that all the service will be rendered to to uh to Bhagwan mm-hmm. um he doesn't think that that the water from his feet that is uh, you know you you, you typically the sannyasi would walk barefoot and so to go then to go in the temple you bathe your feet mm-hmm. and um so it's an example of the of the humility of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu setting setting example uh for us as 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 devotees <clears throat> i think that uh you know internally he's pleased externally he's um upset it was appropriate for that devotee to uh, worship in that way but this is the bhav of chaitanya mahaprabhu he's in the bhav of, of a devotee so sometimes that uh bhav of a devotee will become prominent and he'll react in ways that uh he would expect other devotees to react uh, as well when people would call out you know vishnu vishnu or you are Krishna, he would go up and cover his cover his ears and think what are they saying and, and so forth so it's another example of that so i think that he's setting an example for other um devotees on the one hand and on the other hand it's unconscious on his part he's he is absorbed in the mood of being just a simple uh, devotee of Bhagavan. Mm-hmm. And however great the devotees are, you know, Bhagavan is greater. Of course, he thinks differently. Bhagavan thinks the devotees are greater. But, <laughs> but um, and he tells us to think like that as well. But the only reason we do it is because he tells us. Mm-hmm. So he's great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're, we're small. However big we are, we're, we're small. And so, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we say he's, he's, you know, playing the role of a devotee, but he, but he's really in the bhav of a devotee, and a devotee reacts like this. No, don't worship me. Now, you know, there may be instances where, for the sake of service, officially a devotee has to accept worship. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsvati Thakur lectured on this. When he sat on the Vyasasan and, uh, on the day of his appearance day, they celebrated it and he, he gave a famous lecture called, uh, entitled, uh, More Humble Than a Blade of Grass. He said, this is the, the mandate from Chaitanya Charitamrita. And you may wonder what kind of humility is this? I'm sitting here accepting garlands and praise from everybody and so forth. But then he gave a dynamic explanation of humility, humility before, before Guru and Krishna. If the Guru asks you to do this, then, then, then you have to accept such and so forth. Um, but this is the natural disposition of devotee. And as I say, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not just playing the role of a devotee, he's actually in the bhav of a devotee. And so someone is worshiping him, drinking the water from his feet. He's thinking, what is, what is this? You know, this is inappropriate. 
So he showed his, he was a little up, upset with that, but um, still it was right for the Tony to do so at the same time. Does that help? In terms of his, in his Antarangabhav, feeling the pleasure actually, manifesting anger, but then internally feeling pleased. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that too. What? Well, um, there are instances in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu expresses um, disappointment or he's upset externally, but internally it's it's more clear that internally he's also aware hmm? um, that um, um, of what the devotee is doing and why and accepting it and so forth. I can't think of one offhand, but I know there are a number of them where it's more clear that internally he's he's um, he's pleased um, while showing external uh, dissatisfaction. In this particular instance, it's not as clear, but we take it for granted that um, how could he not be pleased? Um, he is Bhagwan. That's a fact. He's hiding from us. And this devotee is bringing it out, and um, and and in you know in in doing so, the, the actual mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in one sense, as a devotee, was to distribute bhakti, also right to taste bhakti, in the highest sense, and and distribute it. So, for the distribution of bhakti, it's it's required that we understand that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Bhagwan. And as devotees showing that, so that uh, we can we can intuit that he was he's pleased by that. That's, that's part of his his mission. You know, there's a way that you can argue at certain instances. Well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in this particular Baba, we should worship him according to how he is in the Baba, and not uh, not worship him, which he's worthy of. In ways that contradict the Baba. But, um, the e- example of that is something more, uh, um, along the lines of, uh, Vrindavan Das Thakur's, uh, um, how would you say it, uh, objection to the idea that, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. He's not an avatar of Krishna. He's Krishna himself. Mm-hmm. Krishna is Rasaraj. As Rasaraj means he accepts worship in all the Rasas. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we can worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in all the Rasas. Therefore, we can become um, 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 romantic lovers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. As there are romantic lovers of Krishna. Well, Vrindavan Das objects to this and says, it's true that he's Rasaraj, it's true that he's Krishna, but he's in a particular mood. The mood that he's in primarily is that he's trying to taste the bhava of the gopis. So we should honor the bhava that he's in and not try to worship him in a way that contradicts the bhava. If he's trying to taste, what it means to be a gopi, and we try to worship him as a go- as, as if we are gopis, and he is Krishna. This is contradicting the whole purpose of his his descent. So that's an extreme form hmm, in which we take which 
you know, we take exception to that idea. Um, um, so, from our perspective, and that of Vrindavan Dostaku, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, the Vrindavan Goswami, and so forth, that would be objectionable to take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu outwardly and internally. But otherwise, these smaller instances in which um, devotees are pointing out that, that, he, that he's God um, and breaking the veil of his being a devotee, and he rejects, we can do it if it's not clear from the text itself that he's internally pleased with that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Yay! The next question is from Mohini. <coughs> okay. Oh, um, it's not, it's not um, my question. A girl in our community, uh, Devanshi, sent me this question this week, and uh, I wasn't sure the answer. Uh, she asks, uh, I was wondering, you know, in some temples such as Bhanka Bihari and Radharaman temple, there is Krishna deity, but only Radharani's crown next to him. Do you know why this is so, that there is a crown instead of a deity? Bhanka Bihari temple is not a, a temple that's in the Gaudiya line, so I'm not familiar with all the details. It's a very famous temple, of course. And, um, um, but he's in the, the Bhanki Bihari temple is not our line. As far as the Radharaman temple, of course, that is in our line. And, uh, there are different ways to think about that. Um, but uh, one of the ways is that, um, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, to whom Radharaman appeared, was told by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that, um, he should, when they met in South India, that he should uh, take care of his parents and then go to Vrindavan and um, that he would meet him again there. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu never physically came there again. However, he sent his seat, a wooden seat, and his cloth to Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And... Um, this was taken to mean, in one sense, that the seat should be given to Gopal Bhatta Goswami. He was a South Indian Brahmin, and he was in the best position amongst the, the Goswamis to serve in the capacity of a guru, because given the climate of the times um, in which in Varnashram, the Brahmins are all gurus in the Varnashram system. So this is not the Varnashram system, but... Um, um, you know, the Goswamis were preaching, they had to kind of work with, with the sensibilities of the time and so forth. And Rupa and Sanatana, they had been ostracized from the Hindu community in many respects. Um, so, uh, it was thought that Gopal Bhatta Goswami was, um, in a better position to officially take that, uh, status of the seat was indicative of that. They sent the seat to him. But, um, aside from, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming there in the form of his seat and his cloth, it's thought that when uh, Gopal Bhatta Goswami found one of the shilas, Shalagram shilas that he had, had manifest into the Radharaman deity. He's called Radharaman, although he's just, you know, just Krishna. He's called Radharaman. That, that this was 
uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha and Krishna combined. Hmm. So Radha Raman is Radha and Krishna uh, somehow combined, but they put her crown there as well. There, there's another temple somewhere not far nearby uh, with the Radharani there. Somehow they somehow they make a connection. I'm not sure about that, but we look at it like this: that this is the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, even more prominently fulfilled his um, promise to Gopal Bhatta Goswami that he would that he go to Vrindavan and serve there and then I will come again. He came in the form of Radha Raman. Radha Raman Ji Ki Jai. Thank you very much, Kumar. I mean, we call it the deities Govinda, you know, Gopinath. He's called Radha Raman. <laughs> he's, got, he's not called Raman. Raman, Raman. He's called Radha Raman. But, oh, so. Both are there in him. He's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. What else? Okay, Anything the next question. Morning? Yeah, there's a couple more questions. The next one is from Gaya. <laughs> okay. Hi, Krishna Kumaraj. I, I apologize if there is a lot of noise in the background. I'm in a car. Um, so I'll make it quick. I was wondering about... Um, Lord Jagannath and Lord Baladev and Lady Subhadra. And I've heard the story how uh, Lord Jagannath took his form, but I don't understand why Lord Baladev and Lady Subhadra also took that form. Could you please explain? Well, there are different explanations of that, but the one you're probably referring to is that while in um, Dwaraka, Krishna overheard the uh, some devotees speaking about Vrindavan and perhaps the gopis love for him in particular and overhearing that he was transported into the Vrindavan Leela and underwent the Asatika Bhava's transformations of the body to an extreme so that's Jagannath right that's probably the story that you're referring to but why Balaram and why Subhadra and the simple explanation of that is that Balaram looked at him and then the same thing happened to him, understanding what was happening to to his brother. And Subhadra looked at the two of them and the same thing happened to her. So it's a sequence there. Right? But it's all it's the same. It's all about Braj, Braj Bhav. And um, that coming in touch with the Dwarka Bhav. Pujapachitamars call it a train wreck. The two conceptions, emotional conceptions, Vrindavan and Dwarka colliding, and there's collateral damage. <laughs> That's the Lord Jagannath with his arms stuck in and his head swollen up and so forth. Balaram and Subhadra following as well. So, hope that helps. Jai. Yes, thank Jai. you very much. What else? The next question is from Madhur Mandal from, uh, I think, Brazil, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, he says, do you have some insight into the pastime of the churning of the, the milk ocean? We've been reading in the Lagu Bhagavatamrita a verse that suggests that the Gopas and the Brajabasis are acting as Suras and Asuras in that pastime. I never read that verse. I'll have to look that up today. That's uh, 
Lagu Bhagavatamrita is an interesting book of Rupa Goswami. The import of the whole book is Krishna is through Bhagavan Swayam, that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God. And he approaches it in a different way than it's approached in other, other texts. Um, the virtues of Krishna as the original personality of God and the virtues of his devotees in Vrindavan in particular. Uh, that I, I, you know, and I, and I've, I've never read it thoroughly all the way through. I've always wanted to. Um, so I'm not familiar with that particular verse. That's an interesting concept. Um, that story is there in the, I believe, eighth canto of the Bhagavatam, churning of the ocean of milk, uh, which produced so many wonderful, uh, wonderful things. It's, it's actually a creation, um, story, if you will. Um, it, uh, you know, kind of underscores in a broad sense the Bhagavatam's cosmological uh, perspective, the details of which are played out in different ways, poetically in different stories. So, but the cosmological uh, argument, if you will, or perspective is consistent throughout the different stories, which are served to try to illustrate um, the point. It's obviously done in a different way than it's done in modern science and so forth, and it's obviously a meta- meta- obviously a metaphysical perspective. Um, but all cosmological perspectives are metaphysical. There's none of them. They're not metaphysical. So it doesn't matter if it's a big bang or a steady state, which is a previous one or a big bang or, or whatever it is. They're all metaphysical positions. Uh, at least we admit that ours is, and that's fine. We're, we don't have a problem with that. <laughs> um, metaphysical, of course, means that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not something that can be proved objectively through um, observable um, evidence and is reduced to something that's just a logical, if you will, or observable um, reality. Um, and those who, who want to um, move away from any metaphysical position um, um, find that um, non-metaphysical perspective to be more rational and reasonable of course our whole position is that reason is very limited and the world doesn't work um entirely from a reasonable perspective from a rational perspective we were to if we were to give we'd end up with less but that fact is we end up with more and that's our experience so uh, the world is quite uh it's, it's bigger than what can fit between our ears if you will and uh that's good that's good um we're comfortable with that but anyway, I'm kind of going off in a in a different direction, but that's um you know basically what the story is. The idea that there are gopis and gopas that take the position of suras and asuras in that 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 that's a very interesting <laughs> Gaudi perspective of Rupa Goswami. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. If you could send me a n- number of the verse, that will make it easier for me to look that up. And maybe if I read it and I have Baladev's commentary on it as well. I'll be able to say more about, about that if I find something of, of, of interest. Um, but you know, that said, I, 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 in a broader sense, I think you, you know, we look at all the different, uh, leelas, if you will, and avatars, expansions of Krishna. They're all coming from the Swayam Bhagavan Krishna himself and the, and the Vrindavan setting that he cannot be separated from. For there to be, for there to be Krishna, Swayam Bhagavan, 
there has to be Radha, there has to be Yashoda, there has to be Nanda, or Krishna can't be somebody's son, or Krishna he can't be somebody's lover, there has to be Sri Dhamma, or he can't be somebody's friend, which is who Swayam Bhagavan is. He's a friend, he's the lover, he's the, he's the son, um, and so on. So, um, um, as much as Krishna is the source of all avatars, his Leela, the Brajali, is the source of all the Leelas. So there is a is a way that you can kind of trace out and connect all these extended leelas with the Braj leela and and how there there's ways in which they're they're sometimes played out in Braj um, itself or thought about by the Braj devotees. So to give you a further example of what I'm speaking about, Krishna expands, <coughs> excuse me, to uh, Mathura and Dwarka. Hmm? In Vrindavan, he his uh, the coward boy that's most like him is Sridham. He's Krishna is the son of Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda, and Sridham is the son of Brishabanda Maharaj and Kartika. He's the older brother of Radharani. These are the two principal families, if you will, royal families of the coward community, right? So Sridham is is like Krishna in in a number of ways. Um, and and um, and often in their yudaviro or their relishing of uh, virarasa, when they wrestle with one another, Sridham will win, and then Krishna has to carry him on his shoulders. Right. So this is the Brajlila. But when Krishna expands to Mathura and Dwarka, who are the associates there? The principal associates. Well, they are expansions of the just like he's an expansion. Dwarkish Krishna is an expansion of. Vrindavan Krishna, so the devotees are expanded there. So Sridham expands there as Garuda, and Garuda carries Krishna on his shoulders. Hmm. Hmm. Um, Radharani appears there as Satyabhama, Jandravali uh, as, uh, as uh, Rukmini, and so on and so forth. So um, in a similar way, in the you can trace out there can was a way that you can make uh, trace out if you will the other leelas and here's an example perhaps also that you're speaking of the creation leela of the churning of the ocean trace out its connection with the Braj leela maybe Sanatana or Rupagaswami and and Bhagavatamrita is um, is doing something. Um, along those lines. Again, and to put it in another way, whatever can be found through the adherence of Varnashram, whatever can be found through the adherence of Gyan, of Yoga, mystic powers, for example, and other things, um, and so on, uh, whatever can be found through, or gained through Vaidhi Bhakti, or for ordinary activities, like charity and uh, kindness to others and so forth, all these things can be found in Vrindavan and more. Hmm. So they all have their origins there, and all the Leelas have their origins there. So again, maybe Rupalasami is throwing out a connection like that, but I haven't seen that first, so I'd have to look at it. Send me a, send me a note with the. He actually sent number. it to me. Uh, do you want me to read okay. it? Just the verse? Okay. Okay. It's a short verse. I'll just read it real quick. It says, it's 1.5.3. <coughs> It says, the flood of milk coming from trillions of cows created an ocean. In the form of Lord Ajita, Krishna churned this ocean in the, uh, with the cowherds who acted as demigods and demons. 
well, yeah, he's doing what I said. <laughs> he's taking the idea that uh, that Vrindavan uh, that is, uh, you know, it's Gitskolokas, the land of cows. It's it's, it's uh, surrounded by an ocean of milk. Milk means defection of the cows, you know, coming from from their udders, right? So something along those lines. And I'll um, I'll read Baladev Bidibushan's commentary on it. If there is one, and. Uh, Say more after I read that if, if it's appropriate. Interesting. Okay. Anything else? I have one more question. Question from Sevanidhi. Okay. Thank you much. Can't hear you. And so, Sevanidhi, can you hear me? No. You do the English? No. Okay. Uh, interpretation English mute. Mm-hmm. Ah. Okay, now don't say something. Can you hear me now, Grumach? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, 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 no. Can you hear me? Uh, no. English mute. Don't, 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 don't. Oh. Okay. Can yeah, you hear me now, Grumach? Yes, yes, I can. Okay. So my question is how they can um uh how if there uh, the the jealousy between the gopis um let's say like Radharani's um Priyanarmasaka Subal and then Chandravali's uh Priyanarmasaka uh, if the, this jealousy is uh, reflecting in the relationship between the the um, Priyanarmasakas and uh, and also, like connected to this, I'd like to ask: Subal is he Kamarupa or some Bandarupa? So, if I understand your question, you're you're asking that just as there is jealousy between Radharani and Chandravali, so because Radharani and Chandravali and the different Gopi group leaders have Priyanarma Sakas also connected with them. The Priyanarma Saka has a, has a Yuteshwar and a Yuteshwari, means a, a Gopa group leader and a Gopi group leader. So uh, just as Radharani is the, uh, you know, Gopi uh, Yuteshwari for Subal, so Chandravali must be the Yuteshwari for some other Priyanarma Saka. And just as Chandravali and Radharani have jealousy for one another, is there some kind of competition between the, the respective um, Narmasakas? That's your question, right? First part of your question. Right? Well, what I'll say to you about that is that yes. it's, um, is that the the concept of the Priyanarmasaka is something that, that is is uh, given to the world by Rupa Goswami. No one else has, has done that. This is a unique contribution of his and a view into into the Leela, these boys' participation and the nature of their participation and so forth. Um, but um, he gives us a uh, window into that uh, reality, but it's entirely focused on 
Narmasakas who have Uteshwaris who are favorable uh, to Radharani service or neutral uh, at, 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 at least. Not to any opposition type of uh, uh, boys. So all of the boys that he mentions, what the reality, the greater reality is, he's not given us a picture into that. He's only shown us. So we are only interested in going on that side and so forth. Um, he doesn't. There's no description of such friction between coward boys. Of course, there's, but there's no description of, of Chandravali having an Armasaka who's got her him her as the group leader. The whole angle of vision given from Bhagavad is from this whole Radic centric perspective, which is the actual reality of Vrindavan Lila. It is Radha centric. So all of the boys have connection with that side. Hmm? That, are there others? There are all kinds of possibilities, but these are, this is not um, presented to us, brought up to us to consider or um, um, to be um, concerned about. It would seem theoretically that could be the case. We have, you know, we know about Chandavali has her Sakis, right? Um, Padma and so forth and, and others. So, and they definitely participate in this competition, but there's no mention of any such Narmasakas or any such, um, um, competition amongst, uh, the Narmasakas. So we don't entertain that. As far as the second part of your question is Subal, Sambandanuga or Kamanuga, right? Kamarupa, Samandarupa. Samandarupa means, uh, the kind of love in Rag Bhakti that's either Sakya, Vatsalya, or, uh, Dasya. Kamanuga means the gopis, uh, Rag, the love for Krishna. So because Subal is involved, obviously, in the, um, romantic affairs of Krishna, your question is, is he Kamanuga or Samandarupa? Is he Kamarupa? Samanuga. The difference Anuga means to follow. So Samanuga follows the Samanuga. Kamanuga follows the, the Kamarupa, right? But no, Subal is a Saka. He's a Saka. His involvement in the romantic life of Krishna is considerable. Um, um, and it's a particular type of involvement called Tadbhav. So it's not some bold, so he doesn't care to enjoy Krishna, uh, poor Krishna's pleasure romantically. <laughs> That's not his perspective. But to assist Krishna in, um, and, and, and Radharani in uh, relishing, um, romantic, um, affairs between themselves. This is similar to, this is the same type of, um, Madhuri Rasa that the Manjaris have, that they, that they, it's called Tadbhav, not Sambhog. They don't want to have direct union with Krishna. They want to bring about the union of Radha and Krishna. Mm-hmm. And they militate against any, any direct union with Krishna, with themselves. So the Narmasakas have the same type of Madhuri Bhav influence on their Sakya Bhav. And that makes a difference then between them and the Manjaris, because the Manjaris have this um, 
Kamanuga Tadbhav, right? They are in Madhurya Rasa and they, they are tasting a particular type of Madhurya Rasa called Tadbhav, which means to, to assist the leading lady, in this case Radha, in experiencing the Bhav, right? Tadbhav. But they're in Madhurya Rasa. So that's called Sakshat, direct. But then there's Lesha, partial. Hmm? Partial means that in the, here in the case of the the, the gopas that are in armasakas that are engaged in the romantic life of Krishna and Radha, helping do the same thing that the majority do to bring them together, they're in Sakyabhav. They're not in Madhuryabhav. So it's not direct. It's partial. Hmm? They're in they're in Sakyarasa. And so they're in Sakyarasa, they like, they're attracted to the way in which Krishna responds to the, how he feels um, in, in regards to his love for Radharani. They want to participate in those feelings and assist him. And so, but they're in Sakyarasa, whereas the Manjaris are in Madhurya Rasa. So there's a difference. Sakshat and Nesha. Nesha means partial. Partially because they're in Sakyarasa. So that Madhurya Rasa influence, as I've said before, is like a, like a drop of honey in the yogurt of their Sakyarasa. It sweetens their Sakyarasa. The very purpose of that is that, um, attraction to Krishna's romantic life on their part is to enhance their Sakyarasa. That causes their Sakyarasa to, to excel in excellence beyond the, um, excellence and intimacy of the other sakas in ways that are comparable to that of the gopis tasting for example anurag mahabhav but it's but they're uh, purely in in sakras it's a type of sakirasa with a if you wanted to compare it to say the yogurt and there's a drop of honey in it something like that so no that's not kamanuga that's not kamanuga it's under the category of of some Bandanuga, but it's, it's, it has a drop of Kamanuga in it. I guess you could say Kamarupa in it, a drop of, but it, but it, but that drop enhances the Sakya. So it's a special kind of Sakya. Does that answer your question? Yes, yes, Guru Maharaj. Uh, just, uh, like a follow up thought. So, uh, Radharani's, uh, <laughs> uh, or Subali's called, uh, Subalanyas. Nyasa Sarupa, something like that. So yeah. my question is that like that means that the, like uh, this is her Sambanda Rupa form. Um she also yeah, expands yeah, that's a, a way of talking about it. Mm-hmm. Raghunathas Goswami gives that name. Radharani is she who dons the form of Subal. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you want to make out of that? course depends upon your your bob if you have any or your theological acumen right uh, so so um yeah um you can say well she's he's a kaya view of radharani in male form something like that um kaya view just means kaya view view means expansion kaya means body mm-hmm. Expansion of so, or you can say it's when Radharani wants to taste Sakyabhav and eternity, that we call 
uh, Subal, something like that. But it's Sakirasa. Hmm. Well, then some will say, well, he just looks like Radharani, it means. Hmm. That's all. They don't, they don't want to go any, go any further with it. But, but I've read a nice chapter about this, oh, quite, a, quite, quite a detail in my forthcoming book. Should be out soon. So now the devotees are. Yeah, they're very eager. They're waiting for it. Yeah, the Your index book. is being being done, so that's going to take a little while, but um, otherwise, should be out soon. So. Okay, nice to talk with you all. Nice to see you all. Hope to be with you next week. Haribo. Haribo.